Welcome to the teachings of Pastor Mike Yost of the Springs Calvary Chapel in Habern, Idaho. Please join us as we study the Word of God. Well, I am excited this morning. We are continuing on in the book of Acts, chapter 2. Please be turning in your Bible to Acts, chapter 2. As you remember, this is the chapter in which the Holy Spirit falls upon the 120 that have been waiting, as Jesus had instructed them to tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father is in poured out upon you. And then you will become witnesses for me. The Holy Spirit will give you that power to witness, and that's what happened. Pentecost came in Acts chapter 2, the sound of a mighty rushing wind and tongues of fire, as it were, dancing over these uh, disciples' heads, and uh, they started speaking the wonderful works of God, and all those that had gathered from around the world. This is uh, the, the summertime, so travel is easy, and people from all over the world are in Jerusalem to celebrate this great feast, and, and now they're hearing in their own language, wherever they would come from, Arabia, India, uh, Europe, they're coming from everywhere, and they're hearing in their own language all these wonderful works of God. How is it that we hear these things, they said? And we finished uh, up last week. I kind of didn't really do it proper, I guess, uh, as they finished up this passage. But in um, verse 12, it says, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? I love it. Uh, we spent the day yesterday with uh, uh, Frankie and Jasmine's kids, of course, they were there with the youth going to Idaho Falls. So we watched David and Johnny. And David has this saying now, you know, kids, as they go through their different sayings, his little thing right now is, how can that be? <laughs> he just says it all the time. And if you see him, walk up to him. Tr trust me, write this down on your hand or something. Don't forget. When you see him, just walk up to him and go, how can this be? And he'll start giggling from his belly up, just like, oh, that's so funny. Anyways, that's what was happening. Here they are at the temple. Everybody's gathered there to worship God. They're seeking God. They want to honor God. They're giving of themselves to God. They've traveled all this way to meet with God. And guess what? God shows up never happened that way before. We've been coming here for years. But all of a sudden, today, Pentecost has fully come, and the Holy Ghost is in the house. And they're hearing all these people praising God in their own language. This is truly a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's exactly what Jesus said, that you will be endued with power from on high, that you may be my witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And this is exactly what's going on. And they're wondering, how could this be? What does this mean? So they were all amazed. That means it blew their mind. And perplexed. That means they're lost for an explanation. They don't understand it, and they can't begin to figure out what is going on here, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Then others, mocking, said, oh, well, they're full of new wine. Basically, they're inebriated 
They're drunk. They've been drinking too much. We're going to see Peter's answer to that in just a minute, but I do want to address quickly this business that I, I touched on last week, but I want to make sure I give it just a moment more of this gift of the Holy Spirit, a manifestation, a tool, power to witness speaking in tongues. And I know this is one of those where some of you all of a sudden are like, okay, I'm checking out. Wake me up when he gets done. And others are like, oh, I can't wait. Let's do it. In fact, let's all do it right now. And you're going to see that neither of those are a proper response. But a good response, honestly, is what could this mean? What could this be? That's a good, good question, okay? Just to kind of get an idea, I'm going to go to one of the go-to passages on the gift of tongues, but it's not just the gift of tongues. It's what God would do in His Holy Spirit to help build His church and move the church along. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'll make a short note, it comes right after chapter 11. And you all know what chapter 11 is, right? That's communion. That's where Jesus is gathered with His disciples in the upper room, and He then shares, this is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. He would go on to say, let each one of you examine yourself that you would not... uh, be unworthy, drinking and eating in an unworthy manner, the body and blood of Christ. Recognize what Jesus has done for you, who you are, a sinner, saved by grace, not of works. You can't boast about it, but you can believe it because it's done, it's finished. And right after that, in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, a church which he said, You guys have all kinds of gifts going on. You have the Holy Spirit in spades. You guys are amazing. He opens up talking to this church, a very Spirit-filled church. But in chapter 12, right after addressing communion, he says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, this is my new King James version of the English translation. But if you were to look in my Bible, that word gifts, and probably in your Bible if you have it that way, is italicized, which is to say it wasn't actually in the original language, but it was given for clarification, for understanding, to understand what this. um, What it would really more clearly say is, now concerning pneumaticos, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant. And you're like, yeah, I'm pretty ignorant. I have no idea what pneumaticos is. Okay, pneuma is the Greek word for breath, wind, and spirit. And when you see Holy Spirit in the Greek, it's pneuma, okay? It's the the breath. You might know of pneumaticos. Many of you might be experienced a little bit with like pneumatic tools, tools that run off a air compressor with a hose, and maybe like they take the lug nuts off your tire, right? That's pneumatic. It's driven. It's powered by air. 
And that's what pneumatikos is referring to. I don't want you to be ignorant of things that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. Again, I said, it comes right after 11. After 11, it's just like these people that have been waiting for 10 days, praying, seeking God. This promise that he said, power, power. Oh, that's it. I can take lug nuts off. No, that's not what it's for. It's power to be my witnesses, to go into the world and share the good news that Jesus Christ has paid the debt that separates man from God. The door to heaven is open. Come on in. The way, the truth, the life. Jesus is the way. That's the good news, and you're going to need power to do that. Pneumatikos. Okay? Now, I say that because it says gifts in my Bible, and a lot of people all of a sudden put the emphasis on the gifts. Who doesn't like getting gifts? I don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but you're lying if you don't, okay? We all like gifts. Oh, give me, give me, give me, you know? Birthday comes up. Cheryl knows this, right? She never has to wonder what I want for my birthday. I've got a list right now. My birthday's not till December. I ne she never has a list, ever. Today's our anniversary. I have no idea what she would want for her anniversary. I know I went out looking for good and plenty candies. If anybody can find them, please let me know. For whatever reason, they're not on the market anymore. And she loves good and plenty. So I thought, this is what I'll do for our anniversary. I'll get her some good and plenties, right? And just those little things, right, that husbands and wives like to do, couldn't find them anywhere. But God spoke to me as I'm going down the candy aisle. I had to settle for a payday. She likes paydays too, and I do too. But as I'm looking for this, I'm settling for a payday. God says, you know, Cheryl is your good, and she is your plenty. And yeah, right? Aw. That's how I felt when God told me that. I'm like, oh, okay, I've got peace with this. I hope she's okay because she's getting a payday. <laughs> <laughs> Nevertheless, we love gifts, right? But it's not so much about gifts here. And if you're listening to me, listen right now. It's not about the gifts. It's about the gift giver. Concerning pneumaticos, concerning empowerment to be my witnesses, I don't want you to be ignorant. It's going to be funny because we're going to get to the end of chapter 14 and this whole business of spiritual gifts is chapter 13, 14, and 15 of 1 Corinthians and the very last verses in 1 Corinthians 14 after Paul lays out all that you need to know about the gifts and especially the gifts of tongues and prophecy. He says, let him who's ignorant just be ignorant. If you haven't figured it out by now, I guess there's nothing I can do. I've explained it to you in great detail. But I just open up on this. You want to know that this is about God working through his child. That we're surrendered to God. He wants to use us and he won't leave you orphaned. He's going to give you a helper. He is going to give you the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you do those things that God has ordained from before the foundation of the earth that you should walk in them. And so he's there to help you get her done. He says, um, you know, so they're ignorant, but one thing they do know. It says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols wherever you were led. Not very flattering. 
Therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit calls Jesus accursed. If you're controlled by the Holy Spirit, you'll always honor God. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. You can't say it and mean it and believe it unless it's something God has done in your heart. It's a work of God from the beginning to the end. You don't get to take any credit. He goes on to say there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. This word for gifts we talked about last week, charis, is grace. It's a favor. It's just something God bestows on you. There's all kinds of favors. There's all kinds of grace that God could give you, and they all come from one Spirit, the Holy Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord, okay? And this ministries is um, uh, diaconia, which where we get the word deacon or ministers, places of responsibility, those types of things, offices, administrations. There's all kinds of jobs that God has for you, but again, it comes from one Lord, and He decides who gets it, and there are diversities of activities activities. This is the word energma, from which we get energy. There's all kinds of energies or operations that they all come from one God, okay? One Spirit, one Lord, one God, one Father, above all, in all, through you all, in y'all, right? This is Ephesians 4. It's, and so, it's all the Holy Ghost, and He smiles upon His church, and He finds each member individually and says, you need this now, and you get this now, as He wills, okay? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So, He didn't give it to you to make you really special. He gave it to you so that you could bless the body of Christ, bless the people you're witnessing to. It's a tool that you can use to serve Him, not to glorify yourself, okay? To one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, the word of wisdom to, to understand how things work together. Oh, this is like that for God's purposes, not for my purposes. The word of knowledge. This is a information that you couldn't have received other than God just speaking it into your mind. Nobody told you. You couldn't have Googled it, but bam, there it is. You, you know something that you couldn't have otherwise known. It's God speaking to you because He knows everything through the same Spirit. Verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. We, it's the ability to believe, the ability to know God. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. And in fact, we see throughout the Scriptures, Jesus and then the apostles are sent out, the twelve, and then the seventy are sent out, and they're healing people. They're casting out demons. They're doing magnificent things. And now here in the book of Acts, we're going to see all kinds of healing taking place individually at the certain time and place and purpose that God selects for that individual. It's not something that happens all the time. Oh, I've got the gifts of healing, so now I'm a healer. And I'll go out and get me a bus and put Mike's healing ministry and just go from town to town and set up shop and have people come, and I'll just lay hands and start healing them right and left. That's not what it says. It's, it's something that the Holy Spirit manifests through you at a certain time and place and need. Gift of healings by the same Spirit to another the working of miracles. Wow, doing things like making the sun stand still, right? Or, or, or certain things like that. Now, 
again, there's a lot of miraculous stuff that goes on in the world, but and <laughs> I love hanging out with my brother Dallas because every week he, there's another miracle he has to report, right? Not that he did, but that he witnessed, that he saw, because Dallas goes around with his radar tuned in, and he sees God doing amazing things. But fundamentally, one of the greatest parts of that is that he sees the need. He's in prayer. He's mixed up in people's life. He's seeing all kinds of places, Lord Jesus, help. And Jesus does. And then, wow, God heard my prayer and answered it. Do you see that? Miracles. Another prophecy, that is to speak the words of God, to speak as a vessel of God. Now, fundamentally, prophecy is what I'm doing right now. I am reading and speaking out loud the words of God. I'm prophesying. There's a, there's a segment, a subset of prophecy where it's predicting future events because God knows the end from the beginning. The Bible is full of prophecy, and we can speak about things coming in the future, in the last days, and, and we would be speaking God's Word about the future. So, we could speak prophecies, um, another, uh, and to another, the discerning of spirits, to know, is this good? Is this God? Is this holy? Or is this just voices in my head? Is this demons? Are these the darts of the enemy? And you can tell the difference. Often I say you can tell the difference between the Holy Spirit and the devil in the difference between conviction and condemnation. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But the conviction draws you to God. It turns you around to God. It says, God, I'm looking for you. Help. I need you. That's what conviction does. Condemnation, on the other hand, turns you away from God, and you're embarrassed, and you don't want to go to God, and you go off in a different direction. Discerning of spirits and to another different kinds of tongues. And again, in my New King James Version, this is in italics, different. The word different isn't there, but kinds of tongues, which is to say not all tongues are the same. And as we spoke of last week, this is the word glossolalia, comes from the tongue, it's the ability to communicate, the convention of language. We understand what this word means and that word means. Nowadays, they're rewriting the dictionary, and you don't even understand what your neighbor talks about half the time. But the gift of tongues is the ability to communicate clearly. That's what's happening on the day of Pentecost. They're speaking in unknown tongues, tongues they didn't know, Languages they didn't know, Greek or Farsi or Arabic or whatever, but everybody's understanding them. Wow, that's my language. How did I do that? I don't know. Well, it's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit saw the need, met the need, and said, okay, we're going to make sure that everybody here knows what's going on. The sound of a mighty rushing wind, the dancing tongues of fire. This is my Holy Spirit being poured out that you can be my witnesses to the ends of the earth, and here the ends of the earth has come to Jerusalem, and they're witnessing. And so, this is kind of what's going on, different kinds of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. What does that mean? I don't know what that means. Somebody stands up and goes, that's okay, I speak Tagalog. What he said is just, God is amazing, God is fantastic. He's like, you interpret that? Yeah, I understood what that meant. And then it says, but one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as He wills. It's God's sovereign choice how, when, where, why 
he would move pneumaticos, empower somebody to do one of these things. It would be silly to show up to see somebody that's like at, had a car wreck and they've got an injury and they're bleeding out. And it's like, oh, I need a gift. Give me the gift of tongues. I'm like, I'm bleeding out. I need the gift of healing. You're right? And God knows what is needed, when it's needed, where it's needed. Okay? So all of these things go forward. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. I'm going to skip on down. He goes through a section here discussing the body, the church, God's children. And this is universal, global, and down through the eons, right? Since the day of Pentecost, we've all been one part of one body called the church. And this body has many members. And this is a subset here at the Springs Calvary Chapel of the body here in Habern and Minicasha. And it goes on and on. But you and you and me, each of us are a member, just like a thumb or a nose or whatever. And he explains that. You all got a place. You all have a responsibility. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You're all your own. You stand before God, a child of God. And God has appointed these in the church. Now, these are some of the um, diaconia or administrations, duties, functions, roles. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Okay, not going to go into an explanation on that in detail, but I want you to look at these next couple verses. Are all apostles... Paul is writing in the rhetorical. What that means is the answer is implied. The answer is self-evident. So the question is, are all apostles? The answer, self-evident, implied is no. We just got through a passage that says we're all individual and we've got different gifts and we don't have the same. No, 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 all aren't. All aren't apostles or all prophets. No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? Obvious, ma. No. Do all have gifts of healings? No. I would love it if we could rewrite this and say, are some workers of miracles? The answer would be, yeah. Sometimes, some places, yes, some are. It says, do all have the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? The answer team? No, and I want to bring that out because there's a really bad heresy that has risen up in the church over the years uh, that you can't, you aren't a Christian if you can't speak in tongues. And the idea comes from the idea that as a person who says, I believe, I believe Jesus is Lord, I believe, I confess with my mouth, God's raised him from the dead says, you are saved. The Holy Spirit dwells in you. You are now a temple of God. The Holy Spirit is alive and active in your heart. He leads you. He guides you. And then naturally, if the Holy Spirit's there, you must speak in tongues. Well, they haven't read their Bible. I don't know where they got that. Because Paul clearly says that's not the case. 
not all speak in tongues. And let me ask you this, when was the last time you were in the middle of it, in the thick of it, witnessing to somebody who didn't speak English? Why on earth would you need to know another tongue? If there's no need for it, he wouldn't give it to you. Now, there is something that some people have claimed is the tongue of angels, okay? Let me say a couple things about that. For starters, every time we see an angel in the Bible and they talk to somebody, it's clearly understood what they're saying. It's not gibberish or weird, wacky kind of sounds coming out of their mouth. Yet I will say this, there's a lot of sounds that come out of people's mouths that are not comprehensible. It, it bypasses the intellect. A classic case of this, we're watching it with David a little bit, but he's getting too good at this talking. But our, our granddaughter Isla, uh, she's at that age where she just gabs on and on, but she doesn't have words, right? But she says stuff. She'll have a whole conversation with you. You can't tell me that she's not trying to say something, but nobody knows what she's saying okay? And it's possible that God can do that. In fact, if there is a place where you do go before God. In Romans chapter 8, it tells about the Spirit helps give intercession. When you're praying, when you're talking to God, you alone in what we call the prayer closet, the idea is you're by yourself, okay? But you're just praying to God, and I just don't have the words to say what I want to say. Kind of like Isla when she's talking to mom. But I don't have it. I don't have the words. And it's possible that God could open up your mouth and speak out words that you wouldn't understand. But they have meaning. And the Holy Spirit is helping you to express yourself. I've had several experiences like that in my life, although I would never claim to say I'm one of the guys that has the gift of tongues. But especially, I'll be out not in my prayer closet, but I'll be out in the wilderness. I'll be out on some mountaintop. I mean, this is where I go and I just hang out with God. And I cannot go out there without singing. It's really good I'm out there because you don't have to listen to me. And I'm praying. And next thing you know, you're just like, you're just struck by the majesty, the wonderful works of God. And, and groanings start coming out like, oh, wow, oh, I will say this, there's, there's things that come out, you don't even know what you're really saying, but man, you know, it's all, you start singing and, and God, He gives you a new song. Now, again, this is the only manifestation, the pneumaticos of the Holy Spirit that is not for the building up and the edification of the church. We read in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians that that builds you up. It helps you get close to God. But it also says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you start doing that at church and people are going to think you're whack. They're going to think you're crazy. Paul will go on. He will explain. Um, he says, I earnestly desire, this is 1 Corinthians 12, 31. I earnestly desire. But he says, no, he encourages the church. But you earnestly desire the best gifts. The best gifts, the word for best is the word kraton, and what it really means is the most advantageous, the most useful, the most 
helpful gift. If you're seeking the Holy Spirit's power to do the work of the church, to be engaged with winning the world to Christ, earnestly desire, zealously seek after help from the Holy Spirit and allow Him to do whatever it would be. One of the greatest gifts, if you will, of the Spirit I see in the Scriptures is the gift we call of helps. Just somebody that looks around and goes, man, that person looks like they could help, need help. And you'll even find yourself in situations, maybe where you're out at Walmart, when you use you know, the gener generic Walmart, you're out in the world and all of a sudden you see somebody that looks like they could use help. Maybe their kids having a meltdown or some products falling off the shelf. I don't know, you're somewhere, you're driving down the road, you see somebody and God just impresses upon you, go help them. And in the name of Christ, you go to help them. And then when you do that, there's always going to be somebody mocking, somebody going, what are you doing that for? Don't you know it's dangerous to pull over on the side of the road? And they go on down these things, or you don't know that lady, don't talk to her kids. And all of a sudden, you get mocked, and all you're doing is helping. That's what's going on on the day of Pentecost. They're just declaring the wonderful works of God to all these people visiting so that those people could know that God is for everybody. He's not just for the Jews. He's for the whole planet. Wow, we can hear it in every language. God loves us. God's amazing. And so that's what's happening there on the day of Pentecost. Paul would say, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way, a better path, better than even seeking the best gift. Whatever it is you think you might want to offer, whatever you think God is putting on your heart, there's something even better to seek after. The more excellent way. And then he goes into the idea of though I speak, there we go, that gift of language, though I speak with the tongues of men, various dialects and languages, and of angels, not sure what that means, but let it be something I don't understand. But I have not love. I've become a sounding brass and a clanging gong. It's like the um, Charles Schultz, Snoopy and Peanuts movies. You ever see like the Christmas movie with uh, Charlie Brown? You know the school teacher? Can anybody imitate the school teacher? <laughs> I knew you could. You're not making any sense whatsoever, right? Paul can speak many languages. Paul is quite cosmopolitan. He travels the planet. He's born in Tarsus. He's raised a Jew. He's going around the world as a missionary. He's picked up a lot of language. He can do a lot of this. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, he spoke in tongues. But if I don't have love, I've, I'm just a waste of time. The more excellent way is to love. 
What is your motive? What is your response? Do you want to love that person? When you pull over on the side of the road, you see the mom with the kid having a meltdown at Walmart. Are you moved with compassion? Are you moved with love? Are you moved with that divine inspiration, that breath, the pneumaticos of God to go and help that person? If that's the case, you're moving in the Spirit. You're moved by love. He would finish, he would go on to say, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. They'll cease. They won't exist anymore. Do you realize that when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to preach every Sunday? Why? God's right there. You don't need to listen to me. You don't even need to open your Bible when you get to heaven. You're there. You're in the midst of it. God is there. Every thought, every need, every question, every it's all there. Prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, different languages, you know, you're not going to need that in heaven. It's going to cease. It's going to fail. And where there is knowledge, it will vanish away. That, that ability to understand things you don't understand. You'll understand everything when you get to heaven. It'll all fade away. Paul would say then in verse 14, or chapter 14, verse 1, remember I told you this is a package. Chapter 12, 13, and 14. It's a sandwich, right? And there's this slice of bread on the one side, the gifts of the Spirit. There'll be a slice on the other bread right here in 14 that deals specifically with prophecy and tongues. And then in the middle is the real meat. The meat is agape. The meat is agape, divine love. That's the Greek word for the love of God. This is the more excellent way. If you have all the gifts in the world, but you have not love, it's wasted. Start with love and let God add whatever gift He would, and then yield. Allow the Holy Spirit to work through you. I know it's happened for many of you. You'll be sharing with a friend. You're really just having coffee. It's not a big old thing, and, and God will start bringing like Bible verses to your mind, or He'll bring remembrances of, of things that God has done in your life, and you'll be able to share those and affect that person. Meet them where their need is. This is the Holy Spirit working for you. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. Open to it. It goes on to say, it, it, well, it goes on. Let me finish before it goes on, or start before it goes on. In chapter 14, verse 1, it says, pursue love. That's your goal. That's your aim. You be about love. Loving God and loving people. Pursue love and des desire spirituals. It says gifts there, but it's just spirituals. Desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Pursue love and desire the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. But especially that you may, which gift do you think it's going to be? If you've got a Bible, you're reading. If you don't, you're waiting for me to tell you, and you're like, could you just tell me? I'd like to know. What's the one I'm supposed to pursue most? What's the most important one? Well, it says, uh, pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but what gift is most important, but especially that you may prophesy, that you can just speak forth the words of God. If, you're, if you really want a gift, oh, Lord, please give me a gift. I would love to be able to be your witnesses from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, Minakasha, all around the world. I want to be your, 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 your witness. I need power. I can't do it by myself. I need your dunamis, your dynamite. I need your power. Paul says, if you're really seeking for that, first and foremost, seek to speak the words of God. 
Now, it's not a secret, at least not to you, not in this church. I don't think so. If it is, listen now, the Word of God. Jesus is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. All things were made through Him, and nothing was made that was made. And this Word was manifest, brought to life amongst us. We beheld His glory, full of grace and truth. This is Jesus Christ. And the Word, it's powerful. It's alive. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between uh, soul and spirit. It gets right down to the heart. If you're going to desire a gift of the Spirit in love, desire to speak the words of God in love. This, this is the heart of it. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Okay. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Now, again, I know some of you speak in tongues. I've known many people in my life that speak in tongues quite frequently and apparently quite fluently. I don't. But again, I could give you a list of all the great saints down through history, the Charles Spurgeons, that don't speak in tongues. That's not a requirement to be a Christian. It's a tool to witness. Now, as Paul goes on here, he says, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For even, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesied is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. Okay? And it's going to go on, but a couple things that we see as God, as, as uh, the Holy Spirit moves on Paul to explain this gift of tongues and prophecy, he would say that the gift of speaking in an unknown tongue, or even a known tongue, a dialect, is a sign to unbelievers. It's a way to reach people that don't know God. It's not a sign to the church. It's not a sign to your brothers and sisters. It's not something your brothers and sisters need to see or hear to be drawn close to God. That's what it says there in chapter 14. And it goes on to say that the, the words of a prophet are under the control of the prophet. That God is not going to come upon you with some kind of power and next thing you know, you're going to get up in Walmart and just go bananas talking all kinds of weird stuff. That's not how it works. It's totally under control. In fact, we can go through the scriptures and you can look. Here in chapter 12, we get a list of nine different activities or gifts of the Spirit. You can go, yeah, 1 Corinthians 12. You can go to Romans chapter 12 and it gives another list of gifts. You can go to Ephesians chapter 4 and it gives another list of gifts. In fact, you can go back to Exodus 35 and God gives the gift of workmanship, being an artisan to Beziel and a bunch of people in order to build the tabernacle, which nobody's ever seen one. 
and they've got the job of building this thing, and it's got to be glorious to God. And he fills him, it says, with his spirit that he can do these things. And there's many, 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 many pneumaticos, many different ways the Holy Spirit can work in you and through you to bring about the work that he has to do here on the church. But it's all to be done decently and in order, not out of turn, and that it would resemble the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We read Jesus teaching his apostles in the night that they are in the upper room, that he does communion, and he talks to them about, I'm going to send you another helper. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is going to come, and He's going to be your guide. He's going to be peace. He's going to be comfort. He's going to be all these kinds of things, but that He will speak of me. He will always give you the things of me. So, one of the fingerprints of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is active in the body, one of the best evidence is that that's the Holy Ghost. That's it. It's Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is working, we're going to see Jesus. We're going to know Jesus. We're going to desire Jesus. The Holy Spirit always speaks not of Himself, but of Jesus. There was something that happened 1901. What is that? 120 years ago. When I was younger, it wasn't so long ago, but <laughs> it's getting on. It was something known as the Azusa Street Revival, and it happened in Los Angeles on Azusa Street at the Azusa Mission, and the Azusa Mission, they were in a prayer meeting, and the Holy Spirit just fell on them, and they began prophesying, they began healing, they began doing miracles, and it, it, it swept the, the country. All kinds of church denominations were born out of the Azusa Street Revival. In fact, there was this lady by the name of Amy Semple McPherson, and she was one of the leaders of this church, was very responsible in developing the Foursquare Church. And out of the four-square church, there was a family in Costa Mesa, had a little boy, his name was Chuck, and they raised Chuck to worship God. They were four-square. One day, walking down the street, Chuck's big sister, he hadn't been born yet, all of a sudden went into con uh, convulsions and, and died. Her heart stopped beating. She wasn't breathing. Chuck's mom freaked out, didn't know what to do, ran down the street to the end of the block to the little Pentecostal church that they had gone to, the Foursquare Church. The pastor prayed over her. She revived and perfectly normal. I've actually had that happen to me in the Philippines with Dan, one of the little children that we had at Rainbow Village. Heart stopped, not breathing, been gone for 10 minutes. We started praying over him. Of course, you're supposed to do CPR and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like another human. I was freaking out. I'm really freaking out. And I'm crying and tears are just pouring hot off my face and just dripping all over him. Lord, help. 
he revived. Well, this happened to Chuck's sister, so much so that Chuck's mom dedicated her little boy to the Lord. His last name is a pretty common name. You're probably familiar with it, Smith. Chuck Smith, who is the founder of the Calvary Chapels. Now, we're not foursquare, but we certainly are charismatic. And Chuck Smith was certainly a believer in the power of the Holy Spirit to move as necessary when it would happen. But this all came out of the Azusa Street Revival. And there was a pastor, a preacher by the name of William Seymour out of the uh, Azusa Street Mission. Now, there was only about 50 or 60 people in this little church. It's not like there was thousands of them. But their influence just, it just erupted because it was a small church with a really big God, right? And it just swept the nation. But William Seymour said, this present movement will end. It will cease when three things happen. He was speaking prophetically, okay? But um, the Azusa Street Revival, it ran fundamentally from 1901 to 1910. But it's still having effects today. We are part of that effect, that, that, that ripple that keeps going forward. But it ended in 1910. He said it's going to end when three things happen. These are the three things that when the, this movement will cease. He says the Holy Spirit will be talked about more than Jesus. People will seek the power over prayer and people will seek the gifts over the fruit of the Spirit. You know the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit. I've got an orchard in my, in my yard, right? We've got apple, peach, cherry, plums, all this kind of stuff on it. The tree itself, right? That's where the fruit comes out. But why do trees bear fruit in the first place? Do trees eat their fruit? No, they shed their fruit. What's in their fruit? Nourishment and seeds to make more trees. This is what the fruit of the Spirit is for. It's to benefit others. It's to make disciples. It's to grow new trees. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. If there's no love, it's not God. And this word is agape, divine love, the love of God. If it's not there, it's not the Holy Spirit. Also, these are other evidences of the fruit of the Spirit, joy. If you're all cantankerous and you think you're in the Spirit, you're not. Peace. If you're all agitated and you think you're in the Spirit, you're not. Long-suffering. If you're all impatient, Come on, God, get back here right now. You're not. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And this last one always penetrates my heart the most. Self-control. Can't say you're in the spirit if you don't have self-control. Wow. Wow. I'm looking at the clock. <laughs> I didn't even get to verse 14. We, we, we're the same place we ended up last week. <laughs> uh, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up right here. I would so love, as Paul would say, that you would all speak in tongues, but even more so that you would prophesy. I would pray that you would all receive what the Bible calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's that immersion, just dunking in, soaking in the Holy Spirit. How did it happen on the day of Pentecost? They waited. They prayed. They asked. Luke tells a parable about a man who goes to get bread from his neighbor. And it's late at night. He knocks on the door and the neighbor says, go away. I'm in bed. My kids are in bed. I don't want to get up. But the man just keeps knocking on the door. And finally, the guy gets up. He's like, I got neighbors in town. I need food. Okay, here, go away. Then he talks about seeking, or ask, seeking, asking, knocking. Continue to seek after God in your prayer life. Continue to ask after God. I need help. Help me. Help me be a Christian. Help me with my walk. Help me with my marriage. Help me with my children. Help me with these issues that I have in life. We need help. We can't do it by ourselves. Help me and knock, and don't stop knocking. He says, your heavenly Father, He knows what you need, right? If you ask for a fish, is He going to give you a snake? That's not God. If you ask for bread, is He going to give you a rock? That's not God. He's a good God, and He wants you to have His Holy Spirit. If you confess Him with your mouth, you believe He's Lord and He's raised from the dead, He's forgiven your sin debt, that you're a child of God, you're heaven bound, you have the Holy Spirit. But He says, I want to fill you to overflowing. And all you need to do is ask. And I will give you the Holy Spirit. Now, I could go into a prayer right now and pray for you all to receive the Holy Spirit. And then we could all jump up and see what happens. That's, that's what happens in these more hyper-Pentecostal churches. You know what your need is. You know when your need is. If you are in the business of Jesus, if you're about your father's business, if you're about sharing the gospel, if you're about trying to win souls to Christ, rescue them from the bondage to sin and death and bring them into this beautiful family of hope and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and gentleness and long-suffering. If you're about that, you ask, Lord, I need help. And then yield. And when you ask, this is what happened with me. It was many years ago at a youth conference. Um, there was a pastor up there, and he was speaking on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And it says, if you ask, will your Father not give you the best gift? This is what the Bible says. That's a rhetorical question. The qu answer is, of course He will give you. He's your Father. He'll give you the best gift, whatever it is that you need. What's lacking often is we don't ask. 
God, help me. I need your Holy Spirit. I want to be effective for you. I want to see this person saved. I want to see this person walk on. I want to see this person healed. I want to see this person brought through this situation that they're in. Lord, help. And he says, that's who I am. I'm the helper. Here we go. Point him to Jesus. Let's see what goes on, right? And so that's all we need to do. And you will receive the baptism, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and he'll work through you. I'm going to pray right now for all of us as we wrap this up, close this out. As we look at the church being birthed, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falling on the believers and the believers receiving power to be witnesses. We're going to see before the end of the chapter, maybe a couple of years from now, 3,000 people believe and receive and are baptized that day. We had baptisms last week. Eight people got in that ice-cold Snake River and gave public testimony. I believe. I receive. I'm a child of God. Follow me. Come on in. The water's great. All right? Let's just go ahead then, close and pray. But I just want to put this on the table for you. The gift of the Holy Spirit it's free, it's good, it's pure, it's perfect, and in fact, it's absolutely necessary if you're going to win the battles that you're fighting. Can't do it without Him, so ask. Father God, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross that paid our sin debt, that we are no longer uh, burdened with our past and all the things that we have done wrong. But He has paid our debt not only yesterday, but today and forever as we just put our faith in Him. And now as we try to walk in a way that would bring honor to Him, point people to Him, uh, help us to share this great news, we need help. We need You, God. We ask that Your Holy Spirit would just fill us, fill us to overflowing, that we would just be in love with you, so in love with you, that, that we would just have that glow, that shine of joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control, that people would look and say, what's different about you? Oh, glad you asked. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Lord, we would love that power. We ask for the most excellent gifts that you would use us to share the love of your son. Now, in Jesus' name. And all Jesus' church said, amen. Thanks for joining us today. To learn more about the Springs Calvary Chapel, please visit our website at www.thespringscalvarychapel.com. Org. Join us in person at the Springs in Hebron, Idaho, or here on the podcast as we worship together in spirit and in truth.